God is good. Yeah. God is good. Fantastic. You know, I, as, as we're singing one of the songs, I was just reflecting on the goodness of God. If that's all you take from here today, God is good. He's awesome. We live in times where it is difficult to see any good in anything. There's so much happening around our personal lives, so much happening around the world. You know, but to think that God is good. He's good to me. He's good to you. He's awesome. I look back, you know, reflecting on my life. I say, God is good. And I think that's something that we should hold on to. Whenever we're going through the storms of life, remember that God is good. And he's good all the time. Amen. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about um, being fishers of men. I'm sure we all know what it means to fish and, and to catch fish and stuff like that. And the Bible talks about fish so much. Jesus Christ talked about fish so much. So many of the disciples were fishermen. And God has called us in our time and day to be fishers of men. So we'll just pray. Father, we just want to thank you for today. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the opportunity and to come into your presence. And we just ask that God Almighty, that you just open up the heavens. And that Father Mighty God, you just bless us with your word today. And that we will not just be hearers of your word, but that Father Mighty, we will take your words to heart and we'll apply them in our daily lives, even as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I noticed that when we were shaking hands, a lot of the students were super excited. I think exams are over now, almost over. There was some kind of extra hype and joy around the room, <laughs> which is good, yeah. So... I'm going to tell us a story. I'm going to read a story, and it's a, quite a long story, and it's about the fishless fishermen, okay? And I'm supposed to be moving this, I think. Yay, fantastic, good. Okay, and I'll read this story to us, and just follow after me. It says, now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen, and lo, There were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these who called themselves met in meetings. Okay? Now, we came to pass. Okay, I've done that already. Oh, sorry. Okay, I was not going there. So they they talked about their call to fish the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be a primary task of fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they said... The fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. They love slogans such as, fishing is the task of every fisherman, and every fisherman is a fisher, and a fisherman's outpost for every fisherman's club. They sponsor special meetings called fishermen's campaigns, and the month for fishermen to fish. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing, to promote fish 
fishing and to hear about all the ways of fishing, such as the new fishing equipment, fish calls, and whether any new bait was discovered. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. They didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. All the fishermen seemed to agree that what is needed is a board which could challenge fishermen to be faithful in fishing. The board was formed by those who had the great vision and courage to speak about fishing, to define fishing, and to promote the idea of fishing in faraway streams and lakes, where many other fish of different colors lived. Also, the board hired staffs and appointed committees and held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and to decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and committee members did not fish. They just didn't fish. Large, elaborate, and expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the, year, over the years, courses were offered on the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the, physiological, the, the, physiolo- the psychological reactions of fish, very scientific, and how to approach and feed fish. Those who thought had doctorates in physiology does anyone have any? But the teachers did, did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, after tedious training, many were graduated and given fishing licenses. They were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters that were filled with fish. Some spent much study and travel to learn the history of fishing and to see faraway places where the founding fathers did great fishing in the centuries past. They lauded the faithful fishermen of years before who handed down the idea of fishing. Further, the fishermen built large printing houses to publish fishing guides. Presses were kept busy day and night to produce materials solely devoted to fishing methods, equipment, and programs to arrange and to encourage meetings to talk about fishing. A speaker's bureau was also provided to schedule special speakers on the subject of fishing. Fantastic. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded. They were commissioned and sent to fish. But like the fishermen back home, they never fished. Like the fishermen back home, they engaged in all kinds of other occupations. They built power plants to pump water for fish and tractors to plow new waterways. They made all kinds of equipment to travel here and there to look at fish hatcheries. Fantastic. Some also said they wanted to be part of the fishing party but they felt called to furnish fishing equipment. Others felt that, that their job was to, reduce, was to relate to fish in a good way so that the fish would know the difference between good and bad fishermen. Good. That's nice. Others felt that simply letting fish know <clears throat> they were nice, land-loving neighbors, and how loving and kind they were was enough. After one staring meeting on the necessity for fishing, one young fellow left the meeting and went fishing, finally. The next day, he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. Fantastic. He was honored for his excellent catch. 
and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. How nice. So he quit his fishing. In order to have time to tell about the experience to other fishermen, he, also placed, he was also placed on the fishermen's general board. Fantastic. as a promotion. As a person having considerable experience. Now, it's true that many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water and bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of some who made fun of their fish, fishermen's clubs and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen yet never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, they were not following the master who why did not follow the master who said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? Imagine how hot somewhere when one day a person suggested that those who didn't catch fish were really not fishermen. No matter how much they claimed to be, yet it did sound correct. And the big question is, is a person a fisherman if year after year, he never catches fish. That's a question. I'm sure we have gotten the point by now. I don't really need to explain what I'm talking about. And I may as well just stop here, but I'll just continue since I've prepared the slides. Yeah. Is a person a fisherman if year after year he catches or he never catches a fish? God has called us to be fishers of men. That was the main task that Christ gave to his church. He told us to go out there and catch fish and win people into his kingdom. Every other thing we do, teaching, worship, and Bible studies, and other events that we organize, is all geared towards bringing fish, and making fish stay in the pond, which we call disciples. That's why Christ came, and that's what he left to us. So we are fishers of men. I'll just read in Matthew chapter 4, and from verse 18 and 19. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee... He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. The primary calling of every Christian is to fish for people. Now, within that entire ecosystem of fishing for people, we have different things to do. You need to prepare the bait for fish, which we call praying. You need to uh, make sure, prepare the pond where you keep the fish, which is this church. You have to make it warm so that the fish stay. They don't jump out. You need to prepare food for the fish, which our pastor does by bringing the word of God to us. But everything, imagine you have everything. You have the fish pool, you have the fish tanks, you have everything for the fish, and you have no fish there. Or you have the same fish, and the fish don't grow. 
then there's a challenge there. Our primary task as Christians is to catch fish and to let that fish stay and to grow, to become what God has called them to be. Our primary purpose, you know, the early church was a movement. They were a movement. They were not comfortable in staying in one place. And God made it clear. He sent persecution. And the Bible says they all scattered because they were too comfortable staying in one place. God had called them that I will bless the world through you. And they stayed in Jerusalem. And God said, okay, it's time for us to go. Well, not all of them left Jerusalem physically. Some did. But they had a mindset, they had an understanding that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the earth and then the Lord will come. I was just scanning in my mind's, my mind's eye through what's happening in this end time and the, and the signs of the end time that's so prevalent in the Bible. And almost everything that the Bible said will happen has happened. It says nation will rise up against nation. It's happening right now. Somebody was saying that we are going to a point of unending wars, wars that will never end. I hope that's not the case. It says kingdom will rise up against kingdom. People will turn away from God. They will love themselves. They will love money. If you look at what's happening right now in the world, the, the love of self is so much. The cult of self is so strong in the world right now. Everything focuses on, you know, focus on, on yourself, which is good, but forgets about other people. The love of money, mammon, is so strong in the world right now. We're living in the end times. So almost everything that the Bible says will happen has happened. But there's one thing that is yet to happen. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached unto all the earth, and then the Lord will come. I like this quote from Pastor Joel. It says, we have been given a great commission and it starts with go. Start with go. That's the beginning of the whole thing. Go. Go. And let's just read this verse together. Matthew, can we, can we all read this together, please? If, if you can see, I don't know how large this is. Okay, it's good. So, and Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 and 19. Can we just do this together? Please. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That was his great commission. That's what Jesus Christ told us. We have been empowered to go. He has called us to go. He has given us the gifts that we need to go. The Bible says that his divine power has given us all that we need for life and for godliness. Once you become a Christian, 
you have a gift. There's something that God has deposited in you spiritually to go. It could be to pray. It could be to um, design. Some people are creative. It could be to preach. It could be to whatever it is. God has empowered us to go. He has given us the authority, all authority. You know, I was, uh, and I was, there was a, a, a cousin of mine, he, he got drunk, and, and he was so drunk that he went to the junction on the main road and was directing traffic himself. He was, he was, he, was, he had passed out, you know, he was just directing traffic, you know, and we're hoping that a car will not crash into him. Because he, was, he wasn't wearing the uniform of a traffic warden. So he did not have the authority to be there. Thank God he's still alive today. And he has not been killed, you know. But a traffic warden has got the authority, you understand, to stand on the road for, in places where you, have, you still have traffic wardens and direct traffic. A policeman has got the authority to stop you and ask you questions. Okay? He can even come to your house and ask you questions. Okay, a doctor or a surgeon has got the authority to, if, 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 if somebody has to have an operation, has got the authority to cut you through. He's been trained to do so. He has the authority, and he can do so. God has given us the authority. Every empowerment, the unction, every grace we need to go has been given to you. Everything that you need. And we have been empowered to go by the Holy Spirit. I will just read um, this scripture. It says, and when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I, I was saying this during a house group, and while I was back, back in Nigeria, I was in university then, I, I just gave my life to Christ, and I was in a bus, you know, I was in a bus, because you normally have buses on campus taking you into the campus, and I sat on the bus, and I, I had a voice telling me, stand up and preach or talk about God. And I was like, this is not going to happen. It's not going to happen, you know. And I sat down there. I stood my ground. I held on to my seat. And I had a voice, stand up. And I said, no, it's not going to happen. I can't do this. You know, I know too many people. My reputation will be affected and stuff like that, you know. And it was becoming too much. And I stood up. And I with, I, very quickly, I just uttered some words and sat down. I said, well, if anybody wants to give life to Christ, give life to Christ. Mom, I sat down. And surprisingly, some people put up their hands. And I quickly prayed for them. And when the bus stopped, I jumped out and I ran away from the bus. As quickly as my feet could, could carry me. God doesn't really care your methodology, about your methodology. He doesn't really care if you are able to. He's the one that does the work. He's the one that draws people to himself. He just wants you and I to obey him. You may not be called to preach publicly. That may not be you. You may be called to pray quietly. You may be called to encourage someone. 
out there. But whatever God tells you, obey. And that's what happened in the case of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's look at this story together. Okay? In Acts chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he started out on his way. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in, the, in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way, and he was on his way home, and he was sitting in his child reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that child and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the child and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. When I read that story, you know, it really spoke to me about walking in step with the Spirit. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have been filled by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is there like a person who speaks to us. And we can see from this story that Philip listened to God. Yeah, God spoke to him, to him through an angel. God can speak to you through other ways. It could be a still, small voice. It could be just a knowing. At the time, you just know that I'm supposed to do something. It could be someone else. It could be a picture. It could be from the Bible. And I would advise that whenever God speaks to you, validate whatever God has spoken with the word of God. So important. Everything should be grounded because the devil also speaks. Everything should be grounded with the word of God. But the question, when God speaks, do you obey? Philip didn't waste time. He went. He had the voice go this way. I remember the story of when, when some people from Macedonia were beckoning on Paul to come to Macedonia. He went. Immediately, God told Abraham, take your son. He went. He didn't waste time because at times, procrastination. I am very, very good at procrastinating. You can ask Vera. Procrastination can be a problem. Between the time when God says something and when you procrastinate, some other things can happen and you can be derailed. And you can miss God's call for your life at that point in time. But God is merciful. He's merciful. He always gives us a second chance, a third chance, and many more chances. He's a merciful and a loving God. That's why I love him. But this guy, Philip, obeyed. He was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. We need to be sensitive. The time that you've been in your office and God says, well, just go tell that person. I remember, and I've, said, I've shared this story before, and uh, we, we organized a meeting, like a meeting for people to come, an outreach meeting. And there was a guy who I knew, who I invited him to come for this meeting. And the meeting was supposed to, to, to be holding in the evening. So he came in the afternoon while we were arranging the hall where the meeting will, will take place. And he came to me and said, well, and apparently and my wife has traveled and I'm with the children. And, and the meeting was actually a, a meeting for adults, okay, Christian meeting for adults. And I was like, well, sorry, I can't come because I have to take care of the kids, obviously. And I said, well, come in with your kids. And the leadership of that group 
did not tell me to say that. But am I to answer to them or to, or to God? I will answer to God. And I said, come with your kids. Come with your kids. And the guy came for the meeting with his kids. And he gave his life to Christ in that meeting. Eight days later, the guy died. Eight days later, he died. And he has gone to heaven right now. Now, I would have said, well, we have some rules and regulations. You can't come with your kids. Sorry, you can't come. No, I listen to the Spirit of God. We need to be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying. Philip was. He took advantage of the opportunity. He stood there and he asked the guy, are you really sure? Do you really understand what you're reading? He jumped at the opportunity. God will be presenting. God has been presenting. And God will continue to present with us different opportunities to reach out to people around us, in our environment, in our offices, in our, you know, in our neighborhoods, you know, on the streets, wherever we are, even in church. God presents us with opportunities. And he also knew the scripture because he could explain what that guy was reading to him. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. A workman that will not be put to shame, rightly dividing the word of truth. One of the most effective ways to evangelize is personal evangelism. It is so powerful. You don't have to, you don't have to go out and speak to 10,000 people. The most effective way of evangelism is to talk to your friend you have known for the past 10 years. Because you have already broken down all the barriers. You guys are friends. You guys go out together. You guys go play football together. You play hockey together. You play snooker together in the stand. You guys are buddies. You're friends. That is the easiest. As some, as some people say, it's a low-hanging fruit. They're the easiest people to talk to because you guys are friends. Personal evangelism. A great harvest awaits us. We live in the time of a great harvest. There's a massive harvest that God is bringing into his kingdom. And he wants to use you and I for this harvest. Now, Matthew chapter 9 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without the shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And God has enlisted you. He has called some at the, during the first hour. He has called some at the 11th hour. We all get the same wages. Fantastic. I was, I was having a conversation with, 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 with my son about it. He was like, that is not fair. Some guys were called in the morning. Others were called at 11. And they all get the same wage. I said, well, that's God. You know, the Bible says that, um, that when, when I was calling, did I, did I tell you what wage I'll pay you? No, he didn't tell us. We were doing nothing. They were just by the roadside and he called them. The fact that God has called you from your former life and brought you into his kingdom and given you an assignment, that's, that's enough payment for me. I knew who I was before. The fact that God has called me, that's all I need. I need nothing else from him. 
I'm just happy that he has called me into his kingdom. He has called me to help him bring in the great harvest. You can go today. Now, you can go today. And here are some points. First of all, one of the best ways to reach out to people is to pray for them. As you begin to pray for people, God reveals things to you concerning those people. It could be a word of knowledge. It could be a word of wisdom. It could be a sensing. And God begins to break down every barrier around that person as you pray for that person. And makes it easy for you to reach out to that person. God gives you love for that person. Gives you compassion for that person. I give an example. My, my father, what a wonderful, he has passed on to glory and uh, almost a year ago. He was 95 and very strong. He never wore glasses. But he never watched TV. <laughs> so he didn't like watching TV. He just came and just got TV and just went away. You know, wonderful, wonderful man. You know, and he didn't know Christ for a very, very long time. My mom was a Christian, very, very good Christian since, since I was born. You know, and we kept on praying. And in 2012, my mom passed on to glory. And, you know, my father was devastated. It was as if half of him had gone. And we kept on praying for him, praying for him, praying for him. And my sister would go there, you know, talk to him about it. He would ask questions. He would oh, ask questions. What does this, he would get the Bible. What does this mean? My, my sister would explain to him. And he said, okay, well, maybe next time, you know. And she kept on talking. Oh, maybe next time. You know, said, I don't understand this. Why did this happen, you know? And she kept on talking to him. And eventually, just before he passed on, he became a Christian. Just before he passed on. And God comforted us. And was it? My sister had a dream. And in the dream, oh, I had a dream, sorry. My sister had a dream for my mother. I had a dream for my father. I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw him wearing white. He, was, he wore white. And he was smiling. And I said, God, he has gone to heaven. Because we prayed for him. At times, we gave up praying. We got tired of praying. But we came back and we kept on praying. But eventually, God touched him. So don't stop praying for that loved one or for that friend. He said, well, I've been praying for the past 20 years, 30 years. Nothing has happened. Keep on praying. You don't know when God will touch that person. So pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Take advantage of every opportunity to talk to your family members, friends, neighbors, and office mates. Another story. In the university, I'm a year tutor for, for first-year students. And so they come... And they come and talk to me if they have problems. And I have some personal tutees. And one of them came to my office, and he was talking about his problems. And he began to cry. He said so many things. He had lost over five people in his family within the space of six months. He was broken. He was devastated. And we kept on talking. And I was like, and I was like this guy needs Jesus. And I, how would I tell him about Jesus? And I was just there. I didn't know what to do. And he said that, well, that and I used to go to church. Maybe he said that. I said, well, you're in trouble now. You are in trouble. He just said, I used to go to church, and I just latched upon that thing. And we started talking about God. I told him about Jesus Christ. You know, I seized the opportunity. You know, of course, I invite, I, I, I asked his permission first before I started talking to him. So God expects us to take opportunities that will present themselves, subtle opportunities around us to tell people about him. How many people wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is to go on your phone? Like me. Just me. 
I'm a bad boy then. <laughs> I, even did it, I even did it today. <laughs> you know, the first thing you do is to get your phone and, and start scrolling in the stand. You can use social media. You know, you reach out to people. Use WhatsApp, Facebook, X, Instagram. Send messages to people. Fantastic. Write lots of nice words and encouraging messages to people. Send videos. Use Instagram. Use anything. Use social media. And you can also join the HOT, just like Pastor Joe was saying. The HOT is going out today and will be going between 2 and 3 p.m. It's an opportunity. If that's where God has called you to. Okay, if God hasn't called you there, don't, don't bother yourself. You can also pray for the HOT team. You know, we go out every other and Sunday to the streets, you know, to... Not just to, it's not just about healing. We talk to people. People have come with, with problems, with questions about God. And we stay there and we answer those questions. We've invited some to church. Some, some just pass us and say, well, sorry, I'm in a hurry. It's quite embarrassing. Some say, you're disturbing me. Fine. If it's just one person that listens to us, we're happy that day. God wants us on the streets. He wants the church to go out. When I look around... I see people confused, harassed, needing help. When you speak with people, they need Jesus. Yet they don't know. That's all they need, Jesus. And we have the words of life. The Bible says that the whole earth is waiting in anticipation for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world is waiting for you and for me. To manifest in our calling, in our grace, in our gifting. It took 12 men to turn the world upside down. There are more than 12 people here. We can turn this town. We can turn this nation upside down for Jesus. There are many people, people like Brain Hyde, who, who knelt down and kept on praying until revival broke through. Or people like Charles Spurgeon. Or Charles Finney, was it he that when he passed, that people, he said nothing and people were under conviction? Or John Knox, who prayed, give me Scotland or I die. And God gave him Scotland. That same power that was with them, that same grace, is with you today. It's here now. That Holy Spirit is here now. To empower you and I to go. You can invite people to church. The Alpha. It's on. And I, I was challenged by someone who, because I hadn't invited anyone, anyone for Alpha, and I had that someone invited two people, and they came out like, oh gosh, I haven't invited anyone. I'm like, how will I invite people? I just went on, to, sent, sent an email to three of my work colleagues, and we have an Alpha course. That's what I did. Send an email. And, and one of them responded. I was shocked. <clears throat> And she said, well, I have come to your church before. I'm like, wow. And I was actually afraid of sending her a message. But she responded. Invite people for Alpha every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. There's the Freedom of in Christ course that will soon be launched by John and Chang King's and House Group. Invite people for this program. I think sometime <clears throat> later in the year. Invite people to come. Invite people for Sunday worship. Worship was awesome. It's awesome. It was awesome last week. It's awesome this week. Invite them over. Remember, 
that it is God that draws people unto himself. Our job is to point people to him. John 12, 32. And, I, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. Your job, I remember when I was a, bit, when I was a younger Christian, <clears throat> and I would go out and preach to people, and I would expect that they would give their life to Christ there and then, you know, and God was, God was saying that it, does, it doesn't work that way. Not all the time. At times it does. Your job is just to tell them and go and allow the Holy Spirit to do his job of bringing people to himself. You may never know when they become Christians. You may never know. It may just be somebody just down the chain that God is using. It may be somebody else down the chain that God will use finally. But just do what God has called you to do. Let's pray. Can the can the music team just um, come and and sing a song? Sorry. As, as, sorry, sorry, Dad. <clears throat> Let's just ask God and surrender ourselves to Him. And ask him, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me, Lord Jesus. I'm here. Whatever you have called me to do, it could be something quiet. It could be, we have lots of, lots of ministries in this church. We're looking for people to help in the kitchen. Maybe that's what God has called you to. We're looking for people to help in ushering. We're looking for people to help in the technical department. We need to do something. God, see, I was telling people that you can't come to church. The, ch- the church is not like a, a conference that you come to and you just sit down and do nothing. There's something God has called you to do in this church. Whatever it is, it may be, it may be just to pray for Pastor Joel. That's all. That's what God has called you to do. Do it. Or to pray for the musicians. Do it. It may be to help out in the kitchen. Do something. You can't come here and go back without doing We are all priests. We are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. All of us are priests unto God. Thank you, Father.